How's it going, everybody? Hope you are doing good. Welcome to episode two of the Artist Anatomy podcast. My name is Michael. Today we are going to talk about Jean Grey. Um, she was born, potentially I'm saying this wrong, to Sidi Ibrahim uh, in Cape Town, South Africa. And her family moved to Brooklyn, New York City when she was awfully young. Um, for high school, she attended LaGuardia Performing Arts and she studied music business at NYC. And I'd like to note that she's married to fellow rapper Quelle Chris, who I plan to have an episode on at some point. So I think that's a little funny that they both will be featured on this podcast eventually. Um, Jean Grey is not just a rapper. She's also an author, a writer, a producer, a singer, a director, an editor, an actor, a comedian, a lecturer, improv actor. She had a talk show and she does quite a few other things that I was able to find. <laughs> Um, her first single was released in 1996, which is the year I was born. Uh, these songs were Negro League Baseball, Bum Deal, They Lied, I Love This World, along with remixes of Bum Deal and They Lied. She is the daughter of South African jazz musicians. Um, I'm probably going to say this name wrong. Satima Bia Benjamin and Abdullah Ibrahim. Uh, she was known with the monikers What What and the Easter Bunny thinking that they'd be funny when they were announced which I can totally understand why you would think that'd be a little fun to have people announce as your name. Her first LP was released in 2002 called Attack of the Attacking Things which included artists such as Master Ace, Mr. Len, and DeBeat Miners and in 04 she released the follow-up called This Week. In her career overall, she's worked with artists ranging from The Roots to Liv Quelly, Fonte, and Most Def, among a lot of other rappers and other artists. In 08, she released an album with Ninth Wonder as the producer called Genius, that's spelled genius with Gene as in the pants. And in this album, she has a track called My Story which is about an abortion she had when she was 16. And this song begins, If I could swim a thousand lakes to bring your life back, I write that, but infinity can't rewind facts. And the song overall shows some remorse about the abortion, and we even learn a lot about her in the track as she states, Just fuck at the boys' apartments for rent, so. And it goes on from there. And... This track, when I listened to it, was incredibly strong to me. It resonated in a way where, you know, obviously I don't understand that experience uh, in any manner or in any capacity. I never will. But it was strong in that you get to, I got to learn about the process of making that kind of decision for yourself and for potentially your family and things like that and how it can weigh on some people. Um, it does show regret and she discusses the process, including being put into, or including waking up in, or she get, her getting induced in one room and then waking up in another and not being a mom. And this track goes into two separate, I'm presuming miscarriages as she raps 27 with three kids that I never met. And, um. I just think that's insane that for that to be the situation 
and it was hearing that I just rewound it repeatedly and just listened to the song for a good 30 minutes to 45 just picking parts that I could but also just trying my best to understand the situation as somebody that again cannot go through that kind of situation um, I like to note that I cannot find the album Genius or the song on Spotify or Apple Music and I had to find it on YouTube and from what I can tell from going to her website she has an upcoming album that I believe is going to be called Cake or Death based on the giant thing that says upcoming album Cake or Death on her site um, I would choose the cake uh, whatever you choose that is up to you and as for influences I can only find two that were listed anywhere which would be MC Light and her parents. Um, I looked throughout and I just couldn't find anybody or anything or her saying these were my influences. Uh, I listened to a podcast that I'll, remember, that I'll mention later where she only really talked about her parents' as influences as well. So I don't really have an answer for what her influences are overall. Um, as I mentioned, she does a lot of things outside of music. I'd like to talk about that real quick. She is the host of the talk show, or was, I don't know if it's still going, called The Show Show with Jean Grey, where she just speaks to guests that come to the show. She is, or was, I don't know the current situation with this, the non-denominational minister of the Church of the Infinite You, which she had founded. Um, from my understanding, she, in that role, was kind of like a life coach, um, from what I've read about her talking about it um, which I think is interesting and I don't know all the details behind it I wonder if she was able to get um, tax exemption for being considered a church if they are meeting at a certain time uh, and place um, and she also is a writer on the column of the site Jezebel where she wrote about cooking and one of the articles I found was called How to Make a 4 a.m. Bacon Onion Ring Burger That Will Save Your Life. And I read this whole thing and it's written kind of like her music, which might sound weird. And I don't mean it's written like in rhythm or it's written in rhyme in any manner, but it's still fun. It's sarcastic and her sardonic style that her music is known to have. Um... There's a lot of little jokes here and there that are thrown in and just messing around with the whole thing, it feels like, but it's genuinely just such a fun situation. And um, I found this on IMDb. I've never watched this show um, intentionally, but uh, a fun fact is that she played a prisoner on the show Two Broke Girls. Um, I know very little about that show. I definitely saw commercials for it saw maybe a few minutes here and there when it was just on and nobody wanted to change the channel but I think that's still interesting nevertheless and now I like to talk about my introduction to Jean Grey where um I had been listening to a random playlist from Apple with music that it had thought I'd like and I heard the song Osh and I just dug the whole vibe of the song and I just listened to that whole album, which I'm going to talk about. And uh, later I listened to her solo EP, which I will also be talking about since Cake or Death is not out. And those are the last projects I can find that she has made. Um, 
but I do want to quickly touch on just um, her overall movement throughout uh, music. Like I said, she released her first singles in 96, and she took a break for a while, too, from what I can tell. Um, she didn't really release rap music for a while. And um, I had read that the reason for that overall was that she wanted to do other things, that, and she did not waste her time, I'll tell you that, looking at everything that she's done. Uh, she's also talked about doing puppeteering. I can't find much more on that, but I just think that that's always funny when people do puppeteering. It's just a personal thing, I guess. Um, and in terms of being a lecturer, I don't know for what. I'm assuming music business in some manner. Spends, she spent so much time in music and has her degree in that. And uh, I was not able to find the talk show. Um, I was able to find the name and everything, but I wasn't able to find episodes. If somebody can, feel free to let me know. I checked on YouTube, but I might have just missed it, honestly. Sometimes I do. Um, things like that definitely happen. Um, and, yeah. So, the next thing I like to talk about is some album chatter where we'll be talking about her albums that she has had the last everything's fine from 2018 and then the other one that is that's not how you do that either yet another instructional album for adults which also was released in 2018 as an EP um, so everything's fine is with her now husband Quelle Chris um, they this album is very sarcastic it's very fun overall it's very interesting I'll get into that more the beginning is with the title track called everything's fine which sets up the whole album as a game show where everything's fine no matter how not fine it is and the opener feels like the everything's fine meme with the dog sitting around that fire sipping tea or coffee or whatever he's drinking just being like yeah this is fine and not that it sounds like that but just lyrically, it's kind of equivalent to it where there's all these things going on. And it's just like, oh, yeah, everything's fine. It's cool. And I just think that it's so interesting that it starts off as a game show um, <laughs> because it has, like, the crazy little sounds or anything you might hear in a game show. It reminds me a lot of Price is Right and how the sounds are. Um, I haven't watched too much of it, but that's just what that reminds me of. And then the first actual song is track two and it is my contribution to the scam and if you remember me saying that her writing was sarcastic in her column this song is loaded with just a heap of sarcasm as most of the album feels like it has for the most part and this specifically dives into hip-hop subcultures making fun of backpacker backpacker <laughs> backpackers and models turning rappers who are just like oh I make a rap album because anybody can do it so whatever um, and the song opens in my opinion hilariously my contribution to the scam I'm wearing overalls one shoulder off Dwayne Wade flip glasses sit up for my cough and um, I don't know I just think it's funny because I do know of rappers and people in my own life who are kind of like this where um, they try to follow this certain way of following hip-hop subcultures or 
just any kind of subculture to an extent. Uh, and it might just be because I went to a college that was majority white, but it has some lyrics that I feel like jokes about like a typical white girl well, who listens to rap and like respects old school, who whacks unpoetically like about Tupac or Biggie and how much they respect them and how they're like the goats. And if you ask them to talk about other rappers, they kind of can't. Um, except maybe like Drake or something. And I just think that overall that's just so funny to me. Um, because I do know people like that. And as as much as it's written as a joke, you know, there's that saying about like there's a little bit of truth in every joke. Um, the next track I want to talk about from this album is Osh, which again is the first, was my introduction to her. And this has a fun hook using the sample from Hannibal Burris. And the track has a lyric from Jean Grey that may be obscure, unless you were to check on Genius or to know the tale that is of Middle Eastern origins. But Jean Grey, she drops this line, and I'm going to say the name wrong probably, because I don't know how to pronounce it, but the line is facepalm but I killed the king on day one and that character uh, I'm not going to say that name again was supposed to be executed by a king but kept telling stories and leaving cliffhangers so the king would wait another night for a conclusion and this went on for 1001 nights which is the name of the whole um, which is the name of the tale and you can kind of fill in the blanks there but what's funny is, um, if you wanted to do the math, which I did, um, 1,001 nights is 2.7 years. Um, so, she almost got a good three years out of that. And then, Gold, Purple, Orange is the next song I want to talk about. Um, and this song is wrapped around the ideas of identity and expectations from, one's, from society and oneself. And the self-security, which can be tied into those expectations from society. Um, Jean Grey's verse is the second one uh, of two on the track, and she paints this caricature of a girl who conforms as best as she can to the societal norms, but has this identity crisis later and kind of realizes that you can conform to all these societal norms and then still fail. And I think that's just an important thing to note that some people can play everything pretty much perfectly and it just doesn't work out um, for one reason or another. And I feel like the song overall is kind of just telling people to do your own thing overall as opposed to just following what people want you to do. Um, I just think that's a great little message, especially with the advent of social media and just people kind of going into those, um, those ideas and looking into that. And in the verse, she raps, because you can be the things they say to be and get killed, which um, I don't know if potentially I'm reading too much into it. Or I probably am, honestly, but I feel like um, Jean Grey, who is a black woman, is also kind of mentioning in a manner like, yeah, you can be this model citizen and you can get killed in some manner that, you know, wasn't necessarily your fault such as 
maybe police killing or a gang related killing or just car accident like there's just so many different things and I think that overall that's just interesting because that's just true that um, life doesn't really care too much about like what you've done and how much you follow things sometimes that things just sometimes happen and the next track I'd like to talk about and the last one from this album because I'm also going to talk about it when I talk about Quelle Chris is Breakfast of Champions and this track is based around the black experience in America and how exhausting it can be day to day. Uh, Jean Grey begins her verse with the strong sense of exhaustion where she raps, woke up in a cold sweat, drenched like I'm Ronald in Genesis, spent and I haven't even been and I haven't even been awake for minutes. And um, obviously, you know, that is talking about how for black individuals in America, it every day is essentially surviving in some manner where um, encounters with police can lead to a certain brutality um, or death. And sometimes even like white individuals can get away with damaging black individuals in some manner and potentially not get prosecuted or if they do get a very lenient sentence compared to a black individual if they were to do it to a white individual. Uh, I just read a case about um, a black man who was lynched in 1985 in Georgia and they knew who did it like around then but they just never charged them and later on when those people were charged it was learned that people on the police force for Georgia then were active members in the KKK and even though they kind of knew it was them they didn't really interview them and kind of just waited it out and then retired eventually um and she raps later in this song um surviving because surviving ain't the same as really living teach the babies that please educate the children which does go to my point about how for honestly black and brown individuals in America it is a lot about surviving and trying to figure out how to in a manner and when she says teach the babies that please educate the children uh, I think part of it there's two ways to view the educating the children aspect is one that um, minorities tend to have lower qualities of education just because where they live and a lot of the taxes there are from like property taxes and things like that so they get underfunded schools um, and teachers that kind of just don't give a shit <laughs> um, not all of them obviously but there are some that just kind of don't care because they're not being paid as much or they have way less resources so they have to use their own money to pay for certain things um, but also this lyric makes me think think of videos where black and brown children are being trained on how to interact with police to ensure their own safety such as being told to be like, or to ask questions such as, am I free to go officer? Or um, just overall how to interact with police, which is honestly a very sad situation that we have to be, or that we are in, we don't have to be in it, that we are in, in America, where something like that is something you have to use time to educate children on, to make sure that you know they get home safely and things like that. Um, honestly, it's pretty dark if you really think about it further. And now, I'd like to talk about the EP from the same year, 
called That's Not How You Do That Either, yet another instructional album for adults. Um, the opening track is called You Don't Have to Eat What's in the Picture, and it opens with uh, Quelle Chris actually doing this intro, talking about how you're in New York, how it's New York City, but it has like this kind of country southern vibe to it, talking about it, or like there's it sounds like a banjo plucking in the background, and it's just very, it feels, I wouldn't say sarcastic, but it is a little funny just how it is presented. Um, and it definitely does give the sense this is not much of a rap album, more genre blending with um, hints of country music or just like singing overall. And Gene uh, starts the entire album after the intro rapping, or not rapping, uh, singing. It's as cold as a witch's tit that winter day that day. Which, um, I don't quite understand the lyric, um, overall, I just don't, maybe if somebody else has an idea behind that, please feel free to let me know. Uh, I just think that it's a very interesting way to start the album in terms of actually singing and presenting yourself. Um, but overall, this track is just talking about hanging out with friends and posting it on Instagram. So, according to Jean Grey, her idea is that people can have a similar experience and asking people to be positive about this experience and not be negative but someone does end up being negative in responding to her post and Jean raps but then some stupid dick who doesn't know how to read types four roses is garbage you already have to leave um and you know there's obviously negative people on social media who are just going to be jerks no matter what and uh, I don't know if in this perspective, it sounds like it's supposed to be like maybe a mutual friend in some manner or just somebody that she doesn't know to some capacity. And lyrically, she notes that what's on social media, and for her, but really for everybody, it's a representation of our time. And you can just do your own thing, post your own thing, um, you know, within reasonable limits, depending on the social media you're using. Um, and she even states... You don't have to drink what's in the picture, and you don't have to eat what's in the picture. Saying that, oh yeah, I took this picture of this food from this restaurant that I enjoy because I enjoy that drink, and I enjoy, you know, this food. You can go there too and, like, enjoy yourself. You don't have to get what I got. I'm not telling you to do that. And I think that's interesting just because, you know, I'll see memes of people being, like, making fun of certain people who, or just images, maybe not memes of people making fun of people who order certain kinds of beer or wine or something like that, or a food. And it's like, dude, just, you order what you're going to. You don't have to go out and start screaming with people about what they order and what they eat. Um, and I'm not going to say, like, it's directed at any particular types of people. It's just, you know, you do your thing. <laughs> and then the other track I want to talk about. I'm only going to talk about two of them, honestly. Um, this is going to be about a 30-minute episode, to be completely honest. Uh, is The next one I want to talk about is Quelle Chris, Wash Your Hands. And this song, or not even really a song, it's kind of like an interlude kind of situation. It's literally telling people just to wash their hands. And which, you know, considering the times is kind of funny. Um, and I mean funny in terms of like the fact that we do have to tell people to wash their hands for 20 seconds. And even some people were like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to keep doing what I do. Pretty gross, honestly. Um, and this album, again, was released in 2018, so pre-COVID. 
Um, and it tells about, this has this short rant spurt kind of situation where it talks about some man in a suit who doesn't wash their hands. And then it's like, you just made your hands say handshakes nasty with all these people you're going to be interacting with. And that's not cool. Honestly, like that's pretty messed up. Um, and I just think that's really funny because yeah, what are those people thinking when they don't wash their hands when they leave a bathroom, especially like a public one? I have a lot of questions when people do that. Uh, I've even seen when I was in college, like professors do that. And I'm like, all right, not shaking your hand next time I talk to you. Um, so, and usually if I interact with them and don't shake their hand, I just have my hands in my pockets and like nod or something to them um, to try to still be respectful. But like, I don't want that on my hands. Um, and I just think overall, it's, it's just so funny. It's kind of sarcastic in how it's presented, but like, there's so much truth to it. And I just think that's really sad, but kind of, <laughs> I don't know. It's just so funny to me. It's just one of those tracks where I heard it and I was like, the hell is going on? Rewound it, listened to it again. And I was like, they're really talking about people just washing their hands and they're just not doing it. And yeah, that's gross. Um, and finally, I just want to talk about how she has appeared um, on the pad on the podcast, The Art of the Process by Amy Mann and Ted Leo, where they discuss her process for creating not just music, but they do get into that where she says she has similar aspects to both of her parents where one of them kind of just is doing something and then like, oh, I just have this idea and just writes it down or whatever's next to them. And then the other one is just kind of playing on their piano and figuring things out so she kind of said she has both aspects of that um personally as somebody that does create I'm definitely more of the former where something just kind of comes to my mind and I'm like oh let me drop what I'm doing and write that down real quick uh, I've done that in meetings and presentations before too which a little rude I don't really recommend doing that but I'll totally forget otherwise all right so um thank you for listening to episode two of the artist anatomy podcast next week i will be talking about rap ferrera aka milo aka scallops hotel aka rubyot uh, a lot of names that he's gone by um now he goes by rap ferrera uh, i knew him more so as the rapper named milo um which i've heard possibly stands for maybe i like owls um but i've also heard that there's other reasons that he's picked it such as a character from a book, which I will get into when I talk about him overall. Um, again, I'd like to say thank you for listening to this episode, and see you next week. Mm-hmm.